0: Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippi, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Alex, we're 33 days till Inauguration Day for President Biden, and Mitch McConnell finally accepted the election results, sort of. So We'll, we'll, we'll what, get to that. What you, we'll <laughs> what we'll you get to that? that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, first off,
1: anything on Georgia you want to hit, given that I think we've got basically, as we're recording this, about a million votes in the can. You seeing anything?
0: Uh, not really, nothing that changes my mind, uh, but Nate, Nate Cohen had some interesting stuff on the early votes a a day or two ago.
1: He had a really good Twitter thread and we'll link to this in the show notes, but basically showing that the early vote is not monolithic and that it breaks down actually certain days of the week are more Republican than Democrat. And I think it was like, there were only a couple days that in the general election, the Democrats actually won. So if we keep seeing higher turnout, it, basically the gist of it is it may end up helping Republican turnout.
0: Yeah, I think he he. It looked like 98% correlating with the the turnout. The way it worked in the in the general on November 3rd, and uh, it didn't really look like there was any big shift one way or the other. So I I, I don't really expect that. Uh, to be an indicator uh, this early vote. We'll see. Uh, but I think it still gets down to who votes on election day and, and, and how many uh, uh, other ballots continue to come in. We'll see. But I, no, I I still think Georgia uh, Dem advantage there because of how unified and everything. We can get into that, but I, I'm not worried about it. And I don't think uh, the early votes, I, I don't think Democrats should get excited about how many early votes are in. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be. Do you permanent. think there's
1: anything we could Anything we could look at here in terms of what this could be for fence posts in terms of 2022 about kind of a realignment on how early voting works, given what Trump did to just completely tank Republican early voting advantages?
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't know yet. I mean, again, we'll see. Uh, He clearly changed that dynamic. That used to be a place where Republicans, I mean, the, the interesting thing about Nate Cohen's finding is that yeah, there's. It seems like it's there's parity, but that was never the case. The Republicans always dominated uh, the early vote, particularly early mail-in vote. So uh, uh, that's not that's that wasn't the case on November third. Doesn't seem to be the case uh, today, uh, at least so far. And uh, and we'll see whether that continues into 2022. But it's definitely a problem that the Republicans got to solve. That's why he was out there saying, you know, in Florida, it's okay to vote early, vote, vote by mail, vote, vote, vote. Uh, But that, you know, and and maybe that's uh, what got him over the top in Florida by being able to call that one state out that way. But uh, for the most part, no, it's caused a problem. Cool. Yeah, Alex, let's uh, let's uh, get off the. Georgia stuff. I think uh, I've said it enough times that I think it's going to be a turnout election, not persuasion, like, even though they're all spending like hundreds of millions on TV ads. Uh, I don't think that's going to have much impact. I think it's Stacey Abrams, Fair Fight Action, uh, the two campaigns turning their vote out and you'll see, uh, all the problems that Trump's creating, including, uh, telling people not to vote by mail, the, uh, the elections of fraud for the, what would be the fourth time now. Um, in Georgia, uh, but I I don't think, you know, I still think advantage Democrats. Well,
1: let's get back to some of the big news this week. I think the biggest one being that Mitch McConnell finally accepted the results of the election, only took him about six weeks. And obviously on Monday, the Electoral College voted, which officially makes Joe Biden the president-elect. Mitch McConnell told his GOP colleagues on the floor of the Senate that it was time to, quote, turn the page and accept that Joe Biden is the incoming president. Now, I I know this probably didn't make the current inhabitant of the White House very happy uh, if you look at his Twitter. Uh, were you surprised that McConnell took
0: this step uh no he I mean he did it kind of half you know uh way it was like you know quietly you know on the floor uh it, but th- I think the biggest thing was when he when he ordered the Senate not to allow electoral sh- shenanigans in Congress that he doesn't want to vote don't bring it to a vote on the floor on January 6th not on the Senate anyway um I think that's like, uh, that's the big indicator that he gets reality. Uh, the problem for him is, you know, now Mitch McConnell is a traitor, like like poor old Bill Barr, <laughs> who who went overboard, did everything Trump ever asked him to do in terms of going after, avenging, uh, using the justice system to go after uh, Trump's enemies and and uh, protect him and his friends, uh, and then he 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 dares say that uh, there was no evidence of widespread fraud and uh and, you know and now uh he's out. Uh now McConnell is in that same position particularly when he's told the Senate not to um uh, bring a vote on the floor on January 6th. So I, I don't see how that helps anything. But let's look at Georgia again, go back there. Now they've got to tell uh Loeffler and Purdue, have got to tell voters, yeah, elect us. So 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 Mitch McConnell can be the traitor, can be uh, uh, the majority leader again. I, I just think it's it just shows how tough uh, a position McConnell and frankly the entire GOP Senate is in um, when you know they're they're in this position where they've got to win Georgia, but they got to keep they they got to keep Trump happy or at least interested in trying to tell his voters to come out. But I don't know how many Trump voters out there are thinking. Oh, hey, you know, Mitch McConnell is calling Biden uh, president elect and telling our Republican senators not to not to stop this fraud. Um, how many of them in Georgia are going to be all excited about coming out and making sure he's still in place? We'll see. I, I just think it's a it's a, a very uh, bizarre situation. And I think uh, McConnell has is, you know, it's a lose lose uh, with with all this.
1: Well, let's get into some of the more kind of practical things of this. Obviously, Mitch McConnell realizes that he has to work with Joe Biden starting on, on the, the 20th, and it's mutual. How, is, how do you see that relationship playing out?
0: Well, look, the, the, there's a couple of things. One, they've got a working relationship. They've, they've been able to come to agreements, find some common ground, uh, cut deals, Uh, I know that's a bad, another bad word in Trump land, but it is how they were able to work in in the past. And I think McConnell is gonna be forced to do that now. He can't, he won't be able to be uh, the, you know, the obstructionist who holds up everything in the Senate. He doesn't have a president who's gonna look the other way or or frankly call him up and say, yeah, 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 put that one in your desk drawer, put that one in your desk drawer every time the house passes anything. That's not gonna work anymore. Because you have a president, will have a president who will be out there telling the American people we need to get this bill passed to get the infrastructure uh, going in this country, or we need to do uh, get a stimulus package that will actually uh, save our cities and states. Uh, and why isn't Mitch McConnell, you know, call your senators, tell them you want this? That's a total sea change from where. Things have been during the four years where where Trump has been, you know, uh, basically cheering the obstruction on. I don't, and and by the way, there are going to be a number of U.S. senators on the Republican side who are going to be up for re-election in 2022, and I think Biden by being that uh, using the bully pulpit in the opposite direction, saying we need to come together and move forward, tell your call your senator and tell him you need his, this his vote on this. Whatever the issue is, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure from the grassroots on those senators, and at the same time on on McConnell, to to make some you know some middle ground and and get things passed. I think all that's changed. Just the just the capacity of of Biden uh, being elected has changed that dynamic. Uh, and then I think the other thing is that there there's been a um, a real problem for the end of the. Obama administration and, and all the Trump administration. And that was that you couldn't count on the Republicans uh, or, or, I mean, on one of the House's word, right? That, like if, if Paul Ryan uh, said, oh yeah, I can, uh, that's great. We've got a deal. I'll go round up. I can round up the votes in the House. Uh, during the Obama administration. And by the way, Biden may have been one of the people working on on making those negotiations. The problem was Paul Ryan would go back to his caucus and they'd go, hell no, we're not gonna vote for that. He had no control over uh, the House caucus. Well, we're now in a situation, we know that Mitch McConnell has complete control over the GOP caucus in the Senate, whether it's in the majority uh, by a few votes or in the minority by one, uh, by Kamala Harris breaking the tie, if he says he can round up the votes on something and he and Joe Biden come to agreement, McConnell is somebody that Biden knows will deliver on what he promises. He also now has in Nancy Pelosi in the, in the House, uh, someone we all know. Yes, there's problems in the House. I'm sure progressives are gonna want more on a bill uh, than we're, you know than they'll be able to negotiate. But Nancy Pelosi has shown time and time and time again that she can, if she says, yes, I can deliver a majority in the House, she will. And you. And by the way, Biden has that capacity, proven capacity, that if he gives Mitch his word that he'll work to deliver the right number of votes in the Senate or the House uh, with Schumer and Pelosi, he will. So we're in a much different situation where before... Uh, no one could really count on any agreement. Um, they could all agree. And then when they went back, somebody, and it was normally, uh, again, it was Brian in the House, you know, towards the, in the Obama uh, uh, era. And then you had during the Trump era, it wasn't the House. The House was passing bills and getting things done. Um, maybe Trump didn't agree with them. Maybe, maybe uh, McConnell didn't agree with him. But if Trump said, don't give him those votes, put it in the drawer, Mitch put it in the drawer. And half the time, I mean, so the problem became the Senate. I think that's different now. It's completely different. He has a president who he knows if if the president says, we're going to do this and I'm going to deliver these votes. And yes, we're only going to take half a loaf because that's all we're going to get out of you. And he, McConnell says, yes, that he also knows it's going to happen. And that's, you now have three people in charge, if that works, uh, that know that if they come to an agreement, that vote is going to go down in both houses and the president's going to sign it, which was the other problem Mitch McConnell had. Even if he had taken up some of those bills and d- did the right thing and had a vote in the Senate on them, he knew beforehand that Trump was going was to veto him. So uh, I just think that's a totally different world that we're in now. Well, so how do you see that playing out in twenty twenty two?
1: Especially, I, I'm an, I'm imagining that someone like Toomey in Pennsylvania. I mean, Ron John's up in, in Wisconsin. These guys are gonna have a lot of pressure on them in twenty twenty two.
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The, the, that's gonna happen. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's pressure coming from both sides. It's caucus now. There will be people in the caucus saying, "Can't can we do something uh, to help working people?" Uh, you know, and, and by the way, Biden will be out there as president of the United States, not trying to divide the country, but trying to c- call everybody to come together and let's compromise and pass this bill for working people. And then, you know, and, and that's my my point. Um, uh, you're gonna have Ron J- Johnson. You're gonna have uh, you know, seat, the birth seat is gonna be up in North Carolina, and they're gonna be Republicans running, uh, for those seats, and they're gonna be feeling a lot of pressure from the grassroots, from people, from constituents, particularly all these challenges that we face with COVID, uh, with the vaccine distribution, with, with how states and, and cities can afford any of this when they're, they're literally, many of them are, are just running huge deficits. Uh, and up till now, no one's done a thing to help cities and, and states uh, deal with the crisis. All these things include, and then in, in every department, um, if it's transportation and you're you're trying to get transportation infrastructure bill passed, these people are going to have uh, have real pressure on them. And again, I think the difference is, McConnell knows if Biden if Biden promises McConnell something, his word is gold with McConnell, and vice versa. And the same if if Nancy Pelosi says she will get the votes in the House. She will. Very seldom has she failed at that. So I think you've got a lot of things working that say, yes, we're gonna make a we're gonna make progress. There's gonna be uh, real votes, real amendments on bills, things like that. Uh, it won't be what progressive want. Uh, we're not gonna we we lost that when we didn't pick up the Senate on election day. Um, and when we lost some House seats. I mean, there's now just the reality. That to round up a majority of votes in both houses, in both places, means, you know, a, a, a third of what you wanted, maybe half of what you wanted, or, or cutting some, yes, cutting some deal. But that's how it's going to work. And I think these Republicans who are standing for election, uh, whether they're incumbents, and there are several of them, uh, or whether they're open seats that Republicans are trying to vie for, I think they're going to be in a tough position to not be putting pressure on McConnell to give a little more to let them vote on some of these things and and develop a record. They can no longer be the no. If the, if the Republican Senate is now the clearly keeps this obstruction up, I don't think it's going to bode well for them in 2022. I think McConnell understands that. Uh, and he's either going to want to get a few more senators back in 2022. Um, or, I mean, so he has a majority if he lost, loses it in Georgia, or, uh, he wants to maintain that he's going to give, he's going to have to.
1: So one of the, Big stars of the party got a pretty good gig this week, or I don't know if it's good or not, Joe. Uh, Mayor Pete obviously landed as the potential secretary of transportation. It's a pretty interesting place for him to be. I mean, people were talking about him in one of the top diplomatic posts, maybe even in the military. Uh, What do you think of this appointment?
0: I think it's great. Uh, Look, and I think the the twin uh, announcement of Granholm uh, on energy for the energy secretary and Buttigieg for transportation was pretty impressive. Uh, and and that I think it stresses how, uh, both of those departments are going to be incredibly important as we move forward. I mean, if you, as an agenda trying to address, uh, energy, climate change, uh, infrastructure, those, those are combined. I mean, so I think it's that those two announcements coming at the same time indicates that, um, Biden looks at those two as having to be collaborative, actually working well together to address particularly climate change. Uh, You know, you can't look at everything from uh, electric cars, transportation system, rebuilding the infrastructure, uh, really uh, addressing energy issues. Uh, those two departments, it seems to me, are, are are pretty important working together, and I think it was it, that's why they were announced together. But I also think that there are other things going on here. I mean, I look at this and I look at how he's putting the uh, administration together. It's almost everybody in It's sort of a Swiss Army knife. It's like a Swiss kni- Army knife cabinet. Uh, 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 someone else said that on Twitter, and I thought they were they were right. I don't I don't remember who it, who it is, but these are all people. I could see Buttigieg, yes, he's the transportation secretary, but I can also see him as the first millennial, uh, uh, you know, as an important part of the party in the, in the future on issues like climate change, um, speaking out, sort of representing millennials in the cabinet on a bunch of different issues, even whether it's just uh, speaking to millennials about the need for to get vaccinated. Uh, I think that's what I'm saying. I think this is bigger. Each one of these people... Is bigger uh, than the lane of their department, and I think that's getting signaled here, here as well. And Pete has a look. The guy has a big vision, uh, and this is a, a department that needed that. Uh, I don't think this is going to be that kind of like quiet. Who who's the tra- tra- who's the transportation secretary? We have a transportation secretary. I mean, usually it's just uh, you know there, and no one really knows who it is or what's going on. That's not going to be the case with Pete. Uh, He's got a vision. He can articulate it. He can articulate Biden's vision on these issues. And I think that's going to, again, and as a communicator, uh, as the youngest uh, member of the cabinet, I think he's going to have a lot of sway. Um, So I think um, that that's really uh, important. And I think more, this is going to be a collaborative cabinet that won't be restricted necessarily. Obviously, they've got their main role, uh, Austin, at Defense, but again, when you when you're trying to talk to about getting folks vaccinated, I think Fudge and Austin might be two of the communicators of that message to people uh, around the country. Uh, not in their lanes at all, but I think it's pretty important, and I think that's how many of these cabinet members are going to be uh, used. There's plenty of diversity, despite complaints, uh, which is pretty amazing. You got Pete, who's first LGBTQ person in, the ca- in a cabinet. You've got, uh, I, I, they uh, uh, announced the, the first Native American uh, uh, to uh, be the interior uh, uh, secretary uh, today. Uh, it, it, this is a really diverse cabinet. Um, and I think, again, each of them brings uh, something different beyond just their cabinet position in interior or treasury or, or, uh, transportation, this is, I think a, going to be a different kind of cabinet, one that works in a lot of ways, like we see both Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris, uh, collaborating together. It's not, you know, this isn't, this is really a, a collaborative, uh, president and vice president. And I think the, the cabinet looks to be that he's putting together, looks to be very much the same, um. And so, yeah, I, the one person I'm still pu- plugging and pulling for is uh, uh, Doug Jones. I, I sure hope he uh, uh, he seems to be one of the leading candidates for attorney general. I, I certainly hope that that announcement comes and that it's him. So, look, I think this is going to be a collaborative cabinet. And I think uh, I th- there's no question that, that uh, Mayor Pete uh, and Granholm are two incredible people. Uh, uh, additions, and particularly way the, the way those two departments might be tied together and working together uh, to face these tough issues. So
1: one thing, Joe, one thing that this cabinet has not done a great job of kind of showing us, or at least we're trying to read the tea leaves, is what's going to happen in 2024, or, or, or has it?
0: I don't think anybody's thinking that way right now. Uh, again, I think if that was how they were thinking, you, if or Kamala Harris was thinking that way, you'd have to ask why was is Pete Buttigieg even a, a member of the cabinet. Uh, so I don't think anybody's thinking that way in this administration. I think this really is about how the hell do we dig out of the mess Trump created, and that's why I, again I think Blinken at State um, the problem of how do you restore faith in our, our allies, faith in us? Um, uh, how do you uh, start addressing climate change and infrastructure uh, that's, you know, we're way behind in doing what we need to do? Uh, how do you uh, address COVID and making sure uh, that we're able to distribute fairly to everybody uh, the, the, the vaccines? Uh, and get this economy up and rolling uh, with yelling at Treasury. I mean, I just think when you really look at it, that's what this is, uh, what this cabinet has been, uh, you know, designed to do. I know, look, there's a lot of people, you know, what about Warren? How come she didn't get it, get something, you know? Look, it's the same reason Coons didn't get Secretary of State, uh, whether he was the right person or not. And I think very highly of him. I think highly of Warren. They're senators, we're, we're sitting here praying that we went to two seats in Georgia so that we have the Senate by one. There was no way that any of them, regardless of what ideology or what wing of the party they came from, uh, were ever going to get uh, into this cabinet. Uh, that's not their fault. It's not Joe Biden's fault. It's just reality. Um, and so, you know, look, I think uh, looking forward, the one thing I'd say uh, to all of them is, um, is, and I thought this, this is why I thought uh, Biden was going to be the nominee. Uh, there has only been one vice president who sought their party's nomination and didn't get it. The, 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 both parties throughout our history, if a vice president or former vice president sought the part, their party's nomination, they were not denied it. And you'd have to ask yourself, you know, did Quayle really run uh, he kind of dabbled there for a little bit, but he—I don't really think he ra- he 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 ran. But let's give it to him. One vice president, Dan Quayle, and Kamala Harris is no Dan Quayle. Um, didn't didn't you know, didn't who you know didn't uh, get the the nomination. Everybody else did. I mean, you go back, Walter Mondale. He was he was following a very unpopular president at the time, uh, uh, Jimmy Carter. Uh, in fact, the entire progressive wing of the party primary Jimmy Carter. I was part of that. I was with Kennedy. Uh, we primaried him. Um, and and uh, four years later, uh, Walter Mondale, his vice president, was not denied the nomination. He got it. Al Gore got it. George Bush, w- H.W. Bush got it. Um, they get the no- doesn't mean you win the presidency. Obviously, neither Gore, even though he had more votes. Uh, lost the uh, electoral college. Uh, but it doesn't mean you win the presidency, but it does, it, it is very formidable to run against, uh, uh, the vice president or a former vice president. It's, it's only happened one time. Um, and she's not Dan Quayle. So, you know, it's not like the Harris, uh, folks are idiots. Um, she did become vice president of the United States. Um, she's not going to sit idly. She's going to get, be, get, be given big uh, projects to lead on. Uh, she's gonna be out in places like Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina as the vice president of the United States for the next four years. If there's a disaster somewhere, she may be the person that goes to that state. I mean, it, it is a, a very big platform that she has. She's very talented. And so I think a lot of these people who might be thinking, gosh, you know, I'm really looking at 2024 or 2028 are going to be disappointed. I think uh, it's just not. Now, things could happen. Um, You you almost have to be, um, uh, if you're if you're that person thinking about it uh, with that ego, uh, you almost have to hope that um, Joe Biden's presidency is a disaster, that she's uh, hooked to the hip with him and that you were not part of this administration. I mean, if you want to think about how you could, uh, you know, m- maneuver to be in a position um, for 2024, or 2028, you have to think that. So in that sense, a Warren, uh, some of these other candidates, p- potential candidates that might be want to do that again are in this really weird place, man. Who the hell? wants this administration to fail. And it, by the way, if it does, it's it's not just gonna be bad for the party, it's gonna be a disaster for America. So I don't see, um, I don't think anybody's thinking that way. I think this is like, we. everybody knows the challenges and the mess that Trump created. How do we work together to fix that? We're the party that showed we're true patriots who believe uh, in our institutions. Who fought to defend the democracy? Who turned 80 or 81 million of, of us turned out uh, for that as our mission and put and won this administration uh, that ability. And I think everybody's going to put their oars in the water uh, and put those kind of politics aside.
1: All right, Joe, we're going back to the well of audience questions for our, our final topic this week. And this is actually via email, which you can send to thattrippyshow at gmail.com. This one's from John in South Dakota, who's actually from George McGovern's hometown in South Dakota. And he was talking about how uh, we had a pretty good candidate uh, last time in the gubernatorial race in South Dakota, Billy Sutton, who got pretty close to supposed GOP superstar, Christy Nome. So his question after that context, which is helpful, was, when is the National Democratic Party going to consistently invest in rural America, like uh, I believe Howard Dean did, Joe, so that a place like a South Dakota can once again have a chance to produce a McGovern or a Tim Johnson or a, a Tom Dash. Yeah, I
0: mean, Sutton uh, only lost, I think, around three by about three points uh, against uh, Nome and look. <laughs> Look at what South Dakota's paying the price for that uh, now with her, uh, you know, stellar leadership. Uh, not uh, so. Yeah, I, I look. Um, uh, Dean and I had a lot of conversations about this, uh, the, his 50-state strategy, and he was the first DNC chair to really push that. In fact, Rahm Emanuel hated him because of it because Rahm wanted to do the standard. These are the, these are the 18 seats we've got to go for and just put all the money into there and avoid everything else. Uh, but it only lasted as long as, uh, Dean was the chairman. It's one of the reasons I think, um, one of the most important things, uh, appointments or decisions Biden can make is who's going to be the DNC chairman. And will they have that kind of philosophy? Because we have to expand into areas we don't often win. Uh, If we're gonna, uh, the point he makes, if we're gonna get a Tim Johnson or a Tom Dashnell in the Senate, they've gotta be from places like South Dakota, like Alabama with Doug Jones in 2017, like Georgia, if we can win these two seats. Uh, North Carolina is another great example of we can't give up on, stop on January 5th, on January 6th. How do we start registering two or 300,000 more voters in North Carolina and keep building on what we we just did? But at large, yeah, it took Abrams 10 years of commitment uh, with other Democrats in Georgia, not the national party, uh, but locally, that, that those Democrats, led by her and others, uh, worked that state and worked to organize it for 10 years at the local neighborhood level. And, and they won, they turned it blue for Joe Biden uh, in November. Can they do it again on January 5th? I think they can, Uh, and and I I think, um, but that's the lesson. Um, We've got to invest uh, at the local, state level in places that we have not been competitive and we have not uh, worked hard in. Um, This the party, the Democratic Party, has always, including our donors, and even including our grassroots donors, and we saw this in. 2003, I mean, 2020, um, has always been over-focused on federal elections. Uh, we, we, uh, all, uh, give our chip in our $10 or, uh, $20, uh, for the Senate candidate who's running against Mitch McConnell because we can't stand Mitch McConnell or, you know, or, or, uh, give money to somebody who's running against Jim Jordan, uh, in Ohio because we can't stand Jim Jordan. Uh, or or when the presidential election comes around, yeah, we, we invest in the president. So it's presidents, senators, and house members that get our get the bulk of the big donor money for sure. Uh, but even um, our grassroots um, are and and that's prime because that's where the party puts its focus. So it's no not their fault that that's where we put a lot of our focus. But the fact is, um, it's really hard to get money for eight or nine uh ha- uh state house candidates in Texas um who no one knows their names and you know uh, I mean from a national uh audience. Uh and we've got to put real focus on that. We've got to move beyond just focusing on the federal races. We have to win governors uh uh and we have to win legislatures because that's where one where you get your bench two It's where you, um, those are the people who are going to draw the next congressional lines. Uh, And we didn't win any of them, uh, at least legislative uh, houses, uh, anywhere in the country in 2020. These are the legislatures that will now be drawing the lines for the next 10 years. They're, for the most part, Republican, and they're going to gerrymander and draw Republican safe seats. So we have to, uh, he's absolutely right. Uh, and I'm not going <laughs> to, there's nothing to argue about. It's how do you get this party to make that focus? How do we get um, the grassroots, the, the donors that have $5, 10 $20, get them to, to put some of that um, into, the, into the states and local areas that we need to have efforts like uh, Fair Fight Action in Georgia uh, and in Texas and in South De- Dakota, uh, e- everywhere. 50 states. And I think if we can do that, uh, we are going to register the two or three hundred thousand new Democrats in North Carolina that we that we need. And we will win North Carolina in twenty twenty-two. We'll win Burr's seat. But not if we don't make that investment. And the other thing is, look, the the Democratic Senate Campaign Committee and the Congressional the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, they they invest in candidates. Uh, they don't invest in organizing. And, and you know, their mission is there's 18 seats up. There's 14 we think we can win because um, we didn't get good candidates in the other four. And they tried to recruit them and all that stuff. And and that's what they do uh, between now and 2022. Um, you know, they're looking at first seat and wh- what Democrats can we get to run and and who's the right one? And they actually, you know, you know, can literally stifle primaries, uh, which cause a lot of cause create a lot of energy to have that. We saw that in Georgia. We had some tough, you know, lots of people running. The, the people of Georgia picked their two candidates, Warnock and Ossoff, And there was an organization and a democratic party that was organizing and investing day after day for 10 years to put us in this position. That's the kind of party we need to become. Um, and I think we got to shy away from the no primary stuff and uh, relying on, you know, signals from the national party where we should put our money. That's why I do think it's time for somebody who really understands um, the the long game and and develops in the DNC a ten year plan. You know what states where are we focusing? What legislatures? Um, and and organize, organize, organize. Um, and that's that's where I think. And and so yeah, uh, John's right. And uh, I really think that the reality. Uh, is setting in on people. Uh, Eric Holder, I don't want to say that no one did anything. Eric Holder and others really uh, helped uh, at the legislative level, really focused on it over the last few years. Uh, Abrams, of course, um, but Republicans are decades ahead of us on this. They've been they've been doing this for decades, focusing at the local level and in the and really organizing and building. And we just frankly have just woke up. And the reality is, Idaho gets two uh senators in California gets the same number of senators too. Um and when you start doing that matching up New York with Montana and you know it, it, I it, you, you know all these other and you just match them up um the fact is 26 states um the same 26 uh states that I think Trump won the electoral votes in uh that got him to 232 um, can you know predominantly elect Republican senators. That's why 26 times two is is, is uh, you know 52. Guess what? They're always gonna be somewhere right around 50. It might be 48, could be 49, could be 53, but they're almost guaranteed that unless we start competing in places like Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Dakota, uh, North Dakota, all of them. We gotta go everywhere. We gotta, we gotta remind people what this party really stands for and that we were the ones uh, that protected the democracy and stood up for it. Well, uh, that's all for today. Thanks for listening to That Trippy Show. A reminder, if you have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the reviews. Uh, Rate us while you're there if you can. Thousands of you listen to this, uh, but uh, I wish some of you would actually give us a rating. Uh, It helps others find us the the higher rated we are the more uh, uh, the podcast is promoted with the algorithms and things like that. So it would really help us out. Or email us at thattrippyshow at gmail.com. We're probably, unless there's some real breaking news uh, between now and the holiday, we're probably going to skip the next week or two. But if there is breaking news, we might drop a a, a podcast. So uh, be looking for it. But other than that, everybody... Have a happy uh, holiday, Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year to you all. 2021 looks to be a lot better, hopefully, than 2020. Um, and we'll see you at the beginning uh, of the year to talk through Georgia, which at that point will just be a few days away. Thanks a lot for being with us uh, through all these podcasts uh, and uh, and spreading the word.